Hello and welcome to the Somali Professional Podcast. I am your host, Samira Ali, and you are in the right place for inspirational stories that have A to Z of passion, determination, and grit. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Somali Professional Podcast. I am your host, Samira Ali, and you are in the right place for inspirational stories that have A to Z of passion, determination, and grit. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the Somali Professional Podcast. My name is Samira Ali. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. And this week's episode, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Amina Ibrahim. Amina is an ODP, which stands for Operating Department Practitioner. Mm -hmm. And she's from London. And Amina has recently um, been awarded a fantastic achievement, which is the um, an MBE on the Queen's Honour List. Amina, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Samira. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Wa alaikum assalam. So lovely to have you. So, Amina, without further ado, mm-hmm. I think the uh, I, I did a little intro for you, but I really want you <laughs> <laughs> to go ahead and tell us for yourself who is Amina. This is like the question I struggle with, you know that. I'll just, I yeah. always say Armina's Armina, but... <laughs> how does know Armina's just... Armina, but for <laughs> the people that don't know you, yes. <laughs> it's ex- for the people who don't, me- don't know me, it's also exactly that. Armina's Armina. So for those of you who don't know me, so, which is actually a lot of you, which is perfectly normal, uh, my name is Armina. So I'm an ODP, as um, Sabira has described, as an operating department practitioner who's based in London, but raised in the hills of Sheffield, Yorkshire, best air and best water in the land, mashallah. And what's it called? I um, London. I work in London. I work, I work in London. I studied in Birmingham, worked in London. And uh, funnily enough, I moved, I've only moved back to the UK now for about two years. And I, um, as well as healthcare, as, as well as working in theatres and working for the NHS, I do like a few bits on the side. I am um, a knife crime advocate. Um, I and I work. I work. I do work um, in East Africa. Work in Somaliland. I work in. Um, I do voluntary work in Nepal, and yeah. And when I'm not there, I'm an older sister, daughter, friend, um, lover. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> but yes, that's <laughs> no. But you are. You're lovable. I mean, you are lovable. Absolutely. So thank, thank you very much, Rita. So yeah. So that's just me in a nutshell for the time being. That's all I can say. I can't really say much about. Other than that, subhanAllah, it's very hard when it comes to describing myself. I don't know why I struggle with does that Does it question. make you feel, does it make you feel like you're in an interview or something? Like, you know, you're trying to go? <laughs> no, I just, to me, it just literally feels like, you know, like uh, you've got like, um, you're in a room and the spotlight is on you. And then like, you're sweating and like, ah, what's my name? I don't even know my name anymore. So it's, it's, it's hard because I think like I was above everything. I forgot to say, I'm an introvert. Amina is an introvert. And this is what we must remember. <laughs> but you and, don't come across somebody who's an introvert. I mean, when, when I, um, I met Amina in, um, for, for, for our listeners, just a bit of background. So I got the opportunity to meet Amina about, was it two years ago? Just when you two came years back ago, to England? Yeah. Yes, yes. Exactly. Just, when, just when you came back, returned in London, a mutual friend of ours, shout out to Abu Bakr, um, I think introduced us at the time. 
No, oh, I think no. It was at the. It, was, it wasn't Abu Bakr. It was. It was at the Careers Fair. We we met anyway. We met, before I met, the like, Careers when we, Fair. Before the Careers Fair. Yeah, no, we met through SBN. It was SBN, through SBN yes. exactly. Yes. SBN, a small professional network, which was started by um our uh, sorry by my uh, by dear friend Abu Bakr. And I remember thinking, oh my God, like you know, um, you're like, oh, I'm gonna start coming to London, and I said to you, let's keep in touch. And yes, what yeah. was nice about it is that you actually, when you came to London, you actually kept in touch, which was really nice. I did. And and then when we met face to face the first time was the careers fair, just like you yes. said. Yes. And yeah, it felt it like we knew each other for ages. SubhanAllah, yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing about social media. Like sometimes you think people like know each other before without meeting. So yeah, no, but above all, no, you're right. I mean, I know the thing is I am an introvert. And I think I was asked that question on Saturday as well, like when we did when I did the video thing with SBN Europe, and it was how are you an introvert and get done how do you get things done while being an introvert and well I had a simple answer is a lot of the stuff that I do are life or death right so you so the thing is with and also with the introvertness as I always said I know that it's mainly in my head I know Mm -hmm. that I don't cross it but it's in my head so I knew so it's basically the trick is to get out of your head Yes, correct. And you have to think, yeah, and think, think of what's that, what's that hand. So if I'm, if I have to present something on knife crime, then I know I ha- this is a serious matter. Get out of yes. your head, put your ego aside. It's bigger than you. Though. Whatever the topic is, the topic is bigger than you. And right about now, I know I have to do this uh, podcast justice because it's a friends and I'm, you know, I'm here rooting for and supporting my friends. So it's a bit like, get out of your feelings. Up, but then we, you can't be in your feelings. And, so and always, yeah. yeah, and you're one supportive friend from get go. Honestly, like you know, um, and this is the kind of support, obviously, that's important for people. Like you know, friends supporting friends, women supporting 100%. women. Um, even if you're like a male supporting a female, it's just the allyship, isn't it? So, yeah, hundred percent um, allyship, so Exactly. The of the word Somali Nima as well. There's no point pressing, you know, rooting for Somali Nima and you're not supporting Somali-owned businesses, Somali-owned anything, Somali professionals. You know, it's a lot of things. I think, alhamdulillah, we're getting better as a community by supporting our own and trusting ourselves, trusting each other as well. But like, you know, this, about the things, I just feel like it's not just empty words. I mean, one of the things that I like to do and I try to strive is want to be known for if I said I'll do it, then I will do it, inshallah. Like, and if I couldn't do it, it's because I died or something. Does that make sense? Yes, but like, you're not so, a flake. You're not a flake to the yeah. flake people out there. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're not a flake. If I'm if yeah. ministers. If our minister says she will be there, she will absolutely be there. And that's one thing I know from you for a fact. Well, oh, and I appreciate you, that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to the spotlight on you, because obviously this podcast Girl. is all about our minna. <laughs> you see how I try to move away from it. <laughs> I know. I know you very well. You're trying to move away from it. So, so, you know, with the whole question about tell me about yourself, obviously, the, um, that I just asked you and stuff, I've noticed mm-hmm. that normally when I ask that question, normally to like a male compared to female, just yeah. from like a psychology aspect or whatever, mm-hmm. I realized that us women, um, well, not every woman, but most of us women, we're very, what's it called, shy about showing us, our, showing yes. our whole self and stuff like that. Yeah. It's almost that thing where like, you know, you're, you you want to sell yourself out. You, you want to sell yourself to say, okay, these are my quality, but we mm-hmm. are shy about it because we don't want to come across sometimes, back in the day, like, you know, when people say to you, oh my God, you know, you are too... You're just too much or whatever or you know yes, you're too yes. braggy or whatever you know uh, and, and and I think at the back of our mind being a female I don't know how it is for you but for me when I, I remember like when I struggled with that question I always remember just 
thinking back from like my younger days where mm-hmm. people will be like oh you know what just take it a notch down just take it a notch down you know just take it easy mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, um like you know it's not about bragging and you always second guess yourself I've never been a braggy person I've mm-hmm. always just been a person who just said facts or whatever but growing up in um how I grew up and stuff like that mm. you you always felt like oh my god you know um am I being a bit braggy shall I like just keep it leveled down you you almost feel like you know you hide your achievement and you don't shout about it oh yeah. I don't know if that's a British thing where we don't blow our own trumpet I don't know what do you think I think there's a mixture of many things. I think it's definitely a mixture of many things because I'm not sure if you spoke like, I think probably the Americans would say probably it's the same thing. I'm not sure if it's a British thing like that, very uh, uh, stiff upper lip and, you know, um, don't be too much. Because I think that yes. in, in the essence of it all is it is very, very British. Like a British guy, I mean, I would say like the British identity, I, I always find it very confusing because we love ceremonies and we, we have a ceremony for everything, including Correct. tea, right? Yes, And um, then at the same time, when it comes to... Uh, highlighting our achievements and this is what we did is like we celebrate very modestly well Kurt, we that's, do. One. that's the word yeah. you, you said it very eloquently yeah. we well, are very the- modest <laughs> Very modest, but we celebrate. We, we there's a there's a whole tea ceremony. Don't forget that. And I always say True. it really doesn't make sense. I mean, I love the humble cup of tea, mashallah. Like you know, everybody who knows me knows I run on caffeine. Yes. I love tea, but why are we celebrating tea? And he walk off done achievements. The May was saying, "Oh, pipe down, you know, don't don't step, don't be like, don't step out of your little lane, corner, lane, your lane, stay in your yeah. lane, yes, yes, stay in your lane. Feel- keep it quiet, yeah." Yeah, whereas yeah, I think I feel like something like the American dream is the American dream is like you go out there with nothing and you make it. And when you make it, you shout it from the rooftops, which is very American, which is absolutely. Quite nice at the same and time. I love that. And I love that, that they can be honest with themselves and they can be what's the word? They, they, they can say how it is and feel confident about it. Whereas, yeah. like I said, you felt the same way as me, where you feel like, oh, I shouldn't really be saying that or whatever. Or maybe like, you know, yeah. I'm talking too much or whatever. Or like, but I honestly, like- I'm. The I'm hardest good. thing is, yeah. I think it's also Dakan, it's also like Somali culture. But I think one of the, like, think, like thinking back now, like my parents were very supportive, mm-hmm. but they were, they, my parents were very, very supportive, but they were also like very, and well done, Hoy, well done, Abo. And if we did something, like we kept it normally within the family, like within the nuclear family, within my Correct. household, and it won't go to any other household. And if somebody else found out, like done something incredible, they go, yeah. And they're like, oh, we heard, I mean, I did this. So like, yeah, she did this, mashallah, we're proud of her, and bam, that's it, the converse, conversation goes dead. But one of, one of the things, one of the earliest, 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 earliest things I remember is that I think it was when I passed, like, I there, there was this random mock exam, uh-huh. I was something like 12 years old, and this, yes, it was early GCSEs, it was 12 years old, and it was early GCSEs, and I sat and I actually passed one of the papers. And then mm, also wow. called, and then so this is like say God going back like what twenty years ago. Twenty yeah. years ago, the number of BME, so Black ethnic minority in universities, was really really low. It's not as high it as it was. Is now. It was very so, low. Yeah. 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 So then that brought the attention, like that alerted like the school, um, the school like heads. And I remember them saying, I mean, you've got the potential to actually go into university. Mm-hmm. with this because I'm saying if you're acing your GCSEs well acing your GCSE paper now and then that means you know you could you'll definitely go into A levels and inshallah you'll get a degree and I was like oh mashallah so I remember my mom was sat with a group of ladies and then I was excited and like a child I said hoyo hoyo they said and then mm-hmm. I think the aunties were thinking like 
girl you're 12 وبعد هذا جعت الجلسة but to me it was like no mom I passed that exam but I remember like how quickly I was shut down one thing I always remember that how quickly I was shut down by the local aunties um, you know just quickly shut down like girl that ain't gonna happen and then my mom just looked at me and she was like we'll yeah. talk about it at home when we get home and then when I got home I said mom I, I sat this paper I remember the paper that I was uh-huh. gonna sit she goes I'm tanky head because she helped me with revision she was there when I was revising and she was just like hmm okay I see so but then I remember like how quickly those ladies shut down shut me down so one of the things that I've done ever since then is I just keep myself to myself so that's why like you know anything you say anything that you see me do that's literally out there know that I'm not doing it know that I'm not doing it with like any like me like a hundred percent I'm behind it I'm usually being pushed to do it and I think I'm not sure I think it's a duck and thing as well it's getting better it is mm-hmm. getting better because I feel like what's so called 20 like the later the what this was this millennial the, the millennial generation has been a Correct. good equalizer has been a yes. good equalizer we've got equal amount of boys and girls in university we've got equal amount of graduates I must admit as we well do, yes. and yes. we've got equal amount of like professionals and what we're seeing you know across the globe whether it's America Australia Europe Middle East Africa that we have a healthy number of Somali professionals so no one can be jealous of each other no one can be you know like we're all doing good and I feel like social media has been you know a good promotion for this marks for this as well so it is I know what you mean I'm, it's still something that I struggle with because like had I if I had my way like any of the things that I do would have just been kept under the radar yes, if I had not, if hmm. I had my choice if I had my choice but a lot of the things unfortunately these days are my choice you know like it's not like you know I don't have much of a say in it so it, it is you know, <laughs> but it is so it is I think is a mixture of being British but a lot of it is also the Dakin Kena I think there's it a lot of similarities that, that's true yeah that's true. there's a lot of similarities between the British culture and the Somali culture when you look at it and me being especially from the north as well there's there's so many similarities the stoicness the humor and the banter as well but yes also but you know when about, it comes to um I was just going to say as well I mean like I think don't you think it's more of a girl thing as well compared to a guy thing because with mm-hmm. guys they don't have to second guess their achievement they will say I did x y and z confidently so I think as well as like you said it's like the Dakan is the fact obviously it's Britishness it's like Dakan being Somali and stuff like that it's also the fact that obviously um but I think it's also a gender thing as well yes no I'm totally with you on that but then as one of the um one of my friends who's like a graduate put it to me he said you never see a boy celebrating his graduation party like girls we, we're very good with celebrating our achievements privately and we share it with family friends and it True. can go viral as well yes. whereas you will you won't see a brother you won't see you won't see many guys celebrating their graduation parties like how girls are celebrating their no, graduation parties yeah. so they 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 think they, they their, their thing is like no we are achieving the same amount of things that you guys are achieving but we're not out there making a song and dance about it so there's two there's two there's two flips of the coin here because it like, is a I two see... flip for the guys yeah no it is a two no it's true I, I, I agree it's two flips yes the guys don't do a graduation um, party the, but they don't guys, do the celebrations my like brother, do. my brother's had a graduation party but it was like a small one it wasn't like a big yeah. thing obviously we're not going to invite lots of people but we had yeah. a graduation party for each one of them um but i agree with you whatever it's like some things i think like i don't know it's uh, it's something that but I, I agree overall the struggle is real it's something that we need to get over by being confident and just be like actually you know what 100%. i did x y and z and, and not having to second guess ourselves and saying actually can i say that if i said this does that mean someone's gonna think that i'm being braggy 
you know, yeah, the, no, the, I think it's a whole, it's a whole bragging thing. thing, and I th- it's definitely the whole bragging thing. And also, I feel like with, with, with the main thing with different with boys and girls, I definitely with men and women that I definitely know for sure is that, like, um, with me, like when I apply for a job, I will, I, I might be suitable for this job, like, I, I might even surpass their expectations however i'm gonna focus on that you know the essentials versus the desirable list i look at the desirables and i look at the list and the one desirable that i don't particularly have i'm gonna focus on that and say oh you know what i mean i can't apply for this because i don't have that desirable whereas a man is not going to look at the essential or desirable he's going to look at the titles that i'm going to go for it and i really i like the fact mashallah sometimes i'm like i wish i had the confidence i wish i had the confidence but it also comes from you know, like um, it's a male also, female thing. Yeah, I'm telling it's you, a male it's female a male thing. female thing. Yes, no, hundred percent. And the research but, showed that there was research about this actually, where they said a man will um, apply for a job that yeah. um, I think who did this research with? I think it was done by a report from HP. Um, mm. And what they said was a man will apply for a job if he sees that he's sixty. If, if he just ticks sixty percent of that criteria, he will apply mm. and stuff like that. Yes. Whereas a woman will wait for her to uh, match 100% of that criteria yes 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 <laughs> literally it's, it's, it's true it's, it's true it's true and they've got like all the confidence in the world and then the other thing but then also when you when you when you from the beginning when when a boy or a girl is born when the boy is being told that he'll be the president when the boy is told he'll going to be the manager he's going to be the leader he's mm-hmm. going to be the head he's going to be the ceo he's going to be all these big jobs right and yes. the girls are like oh you're going to be a beautiful you'll make oh you'll make a beautiful bride one day oh you'll make a beautiful wife one day oh you'll a be a good mom, mom. exactly yeah you'll be you'll, <laughs> you'll be a lovely a mother mom. one day yeah 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 i've been told i'm going to be a really nice mom as i'm helping with somebody's anesthetic i'm like well thank you very much for that sir <laughs> thank you you know my mothering skills will come in very handy when it comes to the anesthetic skill right now it'll come very handy so well, yeah, nobody says joking. to the guy nobody says to the guy oh you're gonna make a lovely husband oh you're gonna make a wonderful dad do you see what i mean it's always focused on the women and and i think generally and i'm not talking about just in our culture or whatever but just generally across it's the world general, it's a gender world, problem exactly, yeah across yes, the world it's a yes. gender issue where uh but i think we are getting better as a society and as a mm-hmm. world but it's one of those things like you said it's always like yeah as a female yeah you'll always make a great mom a great wife whereas yeah. like a husband sorry a, a man will never get nobody tells him hey you're gonna be a fantastic husband and a fantastic yes yeah, just one of those things i feel like the saying to thing... random guy i see right now if he does anything like, oh you'll be a fantastic father oh you'll be a loving husband oh i bet you were a really good husband aren't you i think when i start saying that just to you know mind f them a little bit because it is well it's as you said but like well i'm not joking guys i genuinely was told i'm going to be a good mom as i'm anesthetizing somebody and i was like I take that. Thank you Awkward. very much. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> You're like, I mean, you're like, I mean, but awkward. I'm yeah. giving you anesthesia. Like, exactly. Oh, Especially as I had a male colleague next to me, and I'm like, nothing about his parental skills, really. <laughs> No, and exactly. Like, so it is a thing. It is a, it is a global thing. It is a global thing. It's a global but issue. I'm hoping that inshallah, now that we were, you know, we're seeing more and more female leaders emerge. Uh, my favorite this year was like the countries that are run by women are doing much better than in in, in dealing with COVID than compared to the countries that are run by being run by men. 
yes, yes that, that's, that's a fact that's a fact how? we're not we're, we're, we're not <laughs> we're not being um feminist here but we are just literally saying a fact yes, yeah new zealand we're looking at new zealand finland we're looking at the scandi countries they've done yes, really looking, well mashallah so it's really not well like a gender thing there's not a gender thing but i think like with spedali don't i feel like this will definitely change over the coming years and i feel like acceptance as well because there's still like a lot of resistance to female leaders and you know like um i lived in saudi arabia and when especially when women couldn't drive in saudi arabia and i had to listen to every single reason under the sun as to why, why women couldn't drive yeah so it was just like Mad. i really and it was like a more absurd but midkasta the more absurd they were they'll make the headlines and it was just like are we really going to believe this like you know women can't drive because of oh they'll just take the car to go to the shop and buy lipstick all day and i was like mashallah what a life <laughs> my favorite was and then my favorite one up until i think you google this because there's an actual sheikh who said it who was uh, the vibrations of the car will mess with her uterus which in turn will mess with her fertility and i'm like i thank you for that quick lesson in uh, بايولوجيكالي <laughs> Uh, on your kitchen wall and I was ouch, like Ma. ouch yes, ouch yes, 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 yes. I'm not surprised I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. still friends with him I'm still, I'm still friends with him and I was like have you heard about my MPE sir he was like yeah I was <laughs> <laughs> that's so, the biggest i think that's the biggest comeback you know because yeah, recently i saw something and it said something along the lines of somebody saw somebody that they haven't seen 10 years ago yeah and then they, and, and, and then they said what are you miss or missus and the person wrote doctor and then i'm Ooh. like so for, so for you you're like miss or missus and you're like no i'm in mbe MBE, bro. MBE, please. You, got, you know, put some respect to my name. But no, it is interesting because it was just like, because like, I think for those of you who don't know, like I was raised in a place called Sheffield and Sheffield is your traditional, like, mashallah, it's a beautiful town to grow up in. I'm not slating it. No, 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 absolutely. I've been so. to Sheffield. Sheffield is yeah. a lovely, it's, yeah. it's very countryside. It's got the most beautiful countryside. We have to admit that. And yeah, it's yeah, like... 100% wallahi. Quruhda. Quruhda is really nice and stuff. Yes. Yes, yes. I was going to go to university in Sheffield you know that that's how Why I like uh, yes, oh, yes. I went to visit to the town and I fell in love with it and I remember to go to the uni you had to like climb a hill and I remember thinking oh my god if I come to this university I am going to be so fit because every day I'm going to be walking up and down this hill you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think we're like, uh, we really we really do breed and fit but it's a beautiful town mashallah like as it, i said with the best of everything really fantastic place to grow town, yeah, it's, a it's a small town and majority of like the girls when i was growing up like they'll get married before gabad gabad before 19 she'll get married before 19 which is absolutely nothing wrong with that no, so no, for no, an 18 year old to break out and say i'm going to go to university it was not the done thing and you would go against society's expectations of you so that's why my friend thought it was very natural and normal to say that my university diploma will hang above my kitchen wall and there's Because nothing you know how saw. what that's how. What so saw, that's, yeah. that's why that's that's the environment on kusokorne i mean i remember like you know I'm, I'm, you know what it is a part of me partially believed him i was like because it was the normal thing i was like oh okay but now when i think about it i'm like well that was a bit funny wasn't it so the thing about life is like constant reflections and you know constant you, you, you look at where you were and where, where you were and where you are now and you know even people just 
people's changing opinions like you know just and how and then even like my city how my little Sheffield has changed Sheffield has changed from being a place where you know everyone had to wear skirts and hijabs and you know like we couldn't talk to anyone to now when you go to the city and it's a lot more relaxed and chilled and normal and mm, I was like people oh, are living their bit, life yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I think, I think I'm like this is not the city I grew up in I do not recognize this climate <laughs> Because people change eventually, they'll change with the time. Yeah. And like you said, like like you, when you grow up in a small, small um, um, uh, town and stuff like that, it, and the and the community is very close knit together, it's yes. almost like you don't even only have mom and dad, but everyone's a say about what you're wearing, what yes. you're doing, where you're going to university. Because like you, I mean, I mean, obviously you st- you went to Sheffield, um, but you didn't study at Sheffield. You chose to go no, somewhere didn't. else, didn't you? you yeah, went, I went to Birmingham. Then, I went to Birmingham yeah. and I remember everyone saying, what did you do to let your mom go to Birmingham? <laughs> and I was like, like, how dare you move out of home <laughs> being a girl? How dare you? <laughs> how, how dare you? No, well, I remember, listen, guys, my, my friends, my friend's grandmother, she wasn't even Muslim. She was Somali Christian. And uh, she heard that I'm moving out for uni. And she said, I said, hey, she was, and my mom is standing next to me. And I said, mm-hmm. are She was, are you married? I said, my, my, no, I'm not married. No. And she looked at my mom and then she goes, and then you're moving. She goes, I said, hey, she looked at my mom, dead and dead. she goes, there goes the culture. This is not the right way. Very traditional. It didn't matter if you were Muslim or Christian. Somali, Somali culture, like traditional, so traditional, so traditional exactly, exactly. to the bone. And it was just like, how dare you let your daughter out this out of the house without... Um, a husband and she's not she's because ideally the, the girl is supposed to go from her mom's house to, to her husband's, husband's house, house. Yes, yes. and then uh, let alone a complete different city so Correct. i would just and then so but then to me what that what that did is like i was just really just determined to behave as good as i could in university just so i don't want word going back like oh i'm in it's acting wild in university because i uh, you know when you just feel like i yes. i knew that if you feel I the do, representative you're the ambassador yes i will <laughs> you well, you broke a barrier <laughs> no, no, this is how it is you broke a barrier and now Dude. you're going somewhere else the last thing that you wanted you're thinking a i'm not i don't want to bring shame on my family b you're like i'm the ambassador for every girl that whoever got told no that yes. you can't move at home yes. and if i get to do this successfully i can inspire other girls to do that to was the thing them. <laughs> exactly that was the thing i was like i cannot and even if i do it it cannot go back out it can't go back to sheffield and i was like because i know that i'm gonna like oh she's done this so i did not but then that's gonna stop 10 girls from moving out so i was just so determined guys i've never behaved as well as i behaved like when i lived in birmingham i was like you no. were the ambassador and you were the ambassador of the <laughs> moving from your town to somewhere else so you yeah. had to, you you had a big pressure on you Amina so and, yeah. and on top of that what you didn't tell the listeners is as well you're the eldest aren't you out of yeah, how I'm many the eldest as well so I'm the oldest of seven with five girls and two boys and then is I knew this well I the thing is as well like and then my dad died when I was 18 but one of the other things was like I did I didn't want my brothers and sisters to misbehave as well so I had to be a good on best because behavior the all eldest. the time you're the yeah because, because like they'll, they'll you know little everybody everyone who has little siblings know that little siblings are annoying okay they are annoying they, they, special. They are, absolutely they, they are, are. i, I feel else. you i'm the eldest two out of six absolutely they can be annoying i love yeah. you guys if you're listening <laughs> um but, yeah. but honestly they but can be annoying <laughs> yes it's true it's true and, and you feel the pressure being the oldest especially when you the first one in your family who goes to university you feel that pressure is that weight is really heavy on your your shoulder yeah 
there really is but then at the same time you're like okay i don't want them to turn around and say well our minute did this we want to do it. i just wanted them to copy my good behavior and mm-hmm. nothing else so it's, i felt like i had to always be on like you know really good behavior but alhamdulillah it worked out because now literal i mean you know for the, the you know 18 years later they've all grown up to be lovely you know grounded competent honest humans and i'm very proud of them mashallah if they're listening mashallah you know, absolutely yeah facts are facts though little siblings are annoying i think tawhid in school that i love that are, as all the oldest in the families need to like band together and we need to say that because i don't it's i feel true. like it's true it's true <laughs> it's true you bathe i always say to my sibling i bathe the way forward you, you know what i mean like, yes. I bathe, like things like you know like moving out of home i really want like obviously my university was further out and stuff like mm. that and, mm. and when i chose my course I was like this is the course that I wanted to be but I remember being 18 and going to uni it was unheard of it was like okay then you just gra- you what you just graduated from school at 16 you do two years college eight, till 18 and then you mm-hmm. want to go to university most people were like why are you rushing why are you rushing stay at home for another like yeah. year or go take yeah. a gap year and then come back but I remember thinking no I really want to go to uni at 18 so when our community because again like you I'm from like a small obviously even though I'm from London I grew up in like in a small area in West London mm-hmm. and everybody has a say about you going yes moving out of home oh oh she really gonna move out what are you really gonna let her and stuff like that oh uh, she's only 18 she could be misled she could be this so when you go out like you said like yourself you feel like oh actually you know I really need to do this for myself I need to make my family proud and it yeah. takes a lot of headspace to get away from the temptation of uni life right yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it really does. But the other thing as well, Samira, well, I don't know, I, part of the community was right. We were not adults. I was not an adult. Like, I remember one no. of the things that I took and did not take for granted is like, Hoy used to make my qadr. And I had to like, one day I was like, oh, and I haven't eaten. And then I was like, newsflash, you have to cook for yourself. I'm like, oh, dear God, I must. So it was and you like, have to share just, the kitchen with those yeah, people. Oh. Yeah, sharing kitchen, <laughs> sharing <laughs> the kitchen, budgeting, like, you know, making a budget run and, you know, washing, laundry. It was, you know, like, it's a, I feel like it was, alhamdulillah, it was a good experience. It was, it was, it was a, a good, good experience. experience. I can see, like, the, where the where the elders were just, like, kind of a bit worried what they were worried from. But then at the same time, it was a little bit like, do you know what, guys, we're actually capable. Because realistically, in the Somali community, if a girl, okay, if, 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 a, if a boy or a girl wants to move out at 18, everybody's worried about how are they going to survive but if an 18 year old or uh, wants to get married no one's going to say oh my god are they really ready for marriage so this Correct. is the thing Correct. So I think I'm, if anything, I would be more worried if my child wants to get married at 18. I would mentor them heavily and be like, okay, Hoyo, this is what married life is about. You know, you're living with another person who you're not related to. So you don't have that love that Ilahe created, you know, the unconditional love between siblings where they can do whatever mm. and you still, you get annoyed with them, but you still love them. And I was like, True. you know, that this is the thing that, you know, we, that's where I feel like we should be mentoring and, you know, like guiding but not drama. Yeah, we do need some guidance because true, we're not adults. You know, I didn't know how to cook. Budgeting, to yeah, budgeting, budgeting, laundry, budgeting, bills. Yes, exactly. We're not used to that or whatever. But on top of I was used to it because I had to cook at home. Come on, I mean, I was in the kitchen from like age of 10. It was like, hey, yeah, but the thing is, there's a big thing, there's a big difference. There's a big difference cooking pasta for 10 people and cooking pasta for yourself. That's true, actually. That's true. Because when you're by yourself, you don't want to cook. You get really sad and you're like, I wish somebody could cook for me. Yeah, because you're like, no, you, I'm, I just thought, okay, how am I going to make pasta for one person? How am I going to baris, make baris for one person? That's and so true. Me, <laughs> 10 people look curry. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's normal. That's what we were raised with. But just for myself, I'm like, what does that mean? Does it mean one onion? And I'm like, and even sometimes a newsflash, when you're cooking for one, one onion sometimes is a bit too much. And no, then like. True. 
and then I didn't have we didn't have the foresight of you know cook and freeze it because I don't people were not that savvy back then we didn't have YouTube and Google no, to guide us no we didn't we didn't we didn't Amina you're so right yeah we had ask Jeeves and ask Jeeves was not really that helpful when we went to Merkel Eskushek no it wasn't do you remember him but you know what you said you hit the nail on the spot when you said it's difference between cooking so even though as obviously being you know young Somali girls or whatever we were used to cooking for our families and everything like that like you said I think the thing that resonated the most is we were not used to cooking for one person so you go to that kitchen and I remember the first day and this is no joke or whatever I went to Tesco shopping as we did always with me Mm. and my family and I remember like I um I bought like lots of onions lots of potatoes you tell me what I'm doing right lots of onions lots of potatoes and I bought you know um a two pint milk tell me what is a single person going to do with a two pint milk and I remember yeah. sitting there and I remember we, we, we were milking we were mother, and I just thought to myself yeah. it, it, the reality hits you're like oh my god like I'm not used to buying like a small milk I'm not used to buying just one onion and one potato or whatever yeah like it, it, it felt like an alien world right <laughs> it really is an alien world I think it's such an alien world like and the amount of like you know fruits and vegetables as well and then at the end you're like and then it's also sad as well buying the one of each and you're like is this what life is like but like it is an interesting experience but it's I mean, interesting it makes you grow no it makes you it grow, makes you grow and, yeah. And, and, yeah it makes you grow like you said you become resilient you learn how to like you know like you said you 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 start handling how to cook for one person because like you said when you grow up with a big family you're not used to being alone I remember that first night when I had to sleep um in the dorm because uh, mm. obviously you sleep in the campus and stuff like that I remember yeah. thinking oh my god like I'm really scared because I'm not used to quietness it was yeah. so weird just to hearing myself think you know it was so weird but like yeah. you said, I think looking back at the experience those were like the best times of my life because I yeah. met amazing friends and yeah. uh, uh, and, and you and, help each other navigate you help each other navigate like some of the some, some of the, the friends that you make in your first year are some of them can't cook some of them can't do anything yes. but everyone has one special skill and then it'll take about 10 of you to make one decent meal but that's because one person is good at cutting, the other one's good at measuring, the other one's good at like, you know, mixing it all together. One person is really good at laying out the table. I mean, it was like, it's, it's fun memories. It's fun memories. Fun memories. And you very grew. Very fun so, memories. Exactly. Yeah. And you, so, you grow so up would, immediately as well. You do. You do. So what would you, what would you say you picked up from going to uni and moving out? What would you say? How did you grow as a person? I think discipline above all because you don't have Hoya waking you up because when you go to school like Hoya I remember your mom mm-hmm. my mom was my alarm clock my yes. parents were my alarm clock and then you know your parents also you're like in the, you come back from school in the evening your parents will ask you or oh, do you have any homework so they were like this is like they 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 kind of run your life by reminding you True. does that make sense so True. all of a sudden you don't have those reminders and you don't have your alarm clock you don't have your providers you don't so you learn to stand on your own two feet you do and you grow yeah you grow discipline you discipline yourself to go to bed at a decent hour so you can wake up at you know on time to have breakfast and then get ready for school and then you know and then also like how to manage your time you know because a lot in uni there's a lot of self-learning as well isn't it and stuff there is a lot of self-learning yes you have to to be good at managing time yeah so time my time management improved drastically and then you just become like a little mini adult so then you one of the things like oh do you know what i'm tired i can't go out tonight so it's good yoga amanta and just how to make time for little you know like and also to squeeze in the things that you like i really love reading really really love reading and then we just i would just make time just like to pick up my favorite book or any book and just you know read and just you know decompress you know after 
um, a particularly challenging week at university. So I feel like that's what university gave me. Above all, it gave me discipline. It dis- I, I disciplined myself. And, you know, I disciplined myself and how to manage my own time as well. I think that's one thing. I'm Because the course that I did as well was a healthcare course. So when we're not at university, we're at hospital car. So that oh, we didn't I have, see. we didn't, yeah, we didn't really have, we didn't have too much of a free time for ourselves. Like Monday to Friday, I could easily be at university. Saturday, Sunday, I might be at the hospital. And that literally was my life until like quite in graduation day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly oh, and, and, and there you go and you got to graduation mm-hmm. day and you graduate at the top of your class and um and then and then um and then basically you're off onto the working world the three years of the four yes. years you're at uni goes really really quickly it goes but, but really Amina, really quickly mm. yeah but I mean I was going to ask you actually you know this is me and you have such an amazing time always talking and stuff <laughs> like that uh, we're going to ask for our listeners that don't know mm. you um how did you go about choosing your course I think that's a really good yeah so that the thing about how I chose my course was like so I think everyone who knows me like people will always say like have a presence about me and I've got like leadership automatic leadership then that's because I'm the oldest of seven and then um but so one of the things I like um with my mom and my dad like one of the things that I I was going to go into public relations or international relations I'm quite good at bossing people around so you know you know I practiced on my siblings so you're the oldest so you will be the leader yes yeah it just comes naturally so I was going to do public relations or international relations I was you know I was even thinking like about going abroad for university and I talked about that with Arba and Hoyo they supported it and then just literally um, the summer just before we're about to start the term where you hand in your UCAS application and that's the university application system so Arba and today that summer so August my dad August to August 2002 my dad became sick and then um, he gets admitted to ICU and he eventually loses his life on um, in September 2002 um, but the thing is that the, the care that was given to him by the team that looked after him was like once the best amazing care ever and the way they included us and the way they looked after us and the way like you know like my dad was like was like my best friend like us my, my siblings and I but team like my mom was a bad cop because my mom was the strict cop but my dad was like the relaxed one dad was the one who would let us go I'm like Arpa gonna go to the cinema Arpa will give me pocket money to go to the cinema have a good time with my friends Arpa gonna go on Saturday he was the one whereas I say to him mom can I go and I go to Gafari so I'm like oh but dad was the one who would let you do all the things so Allah <laughs> like you know he was my best friend Allah he'd passed like, away yeah. and um, when he died when he died I remember just you know all of us were like sick with grief and, and I was thinking you're the first your first thought as the oldest is you need to provide for your family so I was considering dropping out of university and working just to provide for my family like you know because that's what Arpa would do right but Arpa, and now Arpa's gone and then in your head you're like I need to I need to provide for my siblings and then subhanallah um, the team that was looking after him I send us a condolences card and some flowers to our house to say sorry for your loss and then just that small kind gesture just basically changed everything that I would do so I was just in my head I was like oh my god you know I knew that my dad was like the best person ever and these people must have thought he was the best person ever for them to send this card and these flowers over to our house and I just thought and then well I subhanallah I'm not lying to you guys it literally just you know whatever I was still grieving I was still upset but the funk that I was in it snapped me out of the funk and I was just like I want to do the same for someone else want to do because it helped us with the grief or like it's something that just helped us all with the grief and then I said I want to help I want to do this for someone else I want 
um, if someone's dying, like say if someone's losing their relatives in the hospital, I want to be like there to hold their hands. I want to, you know, offer the family, um, you know, um, um, comfort in their hour of need. I want what what the thing that was done for me and my family. I want to recuperate. I want to pay that forward. So I just said I'm going to go into healthcare. So my dad died a lot, Hamo he okayed on me going into international relations and public relations. That's what he died thinking. Like he, he died in that thinking that I was going to head into that route. And then what's so called um, um, school started again. I took three weeks off to grieve my dad. And then, so I was like a late enrollment and then I enrolled into healthcare. I enrolled into healthcare. And then because before that I was doing English, English, English sociology, uh, English language, literally just like some nice fluffy, courses just to get me the UCAS points I need to go to that degree and then so called um subhanallah uh, so called he um I applied for the health course I applied for the health course and then um but I did not know what health because I, <laughs> the subhanallah I mean it's a bit hard to imagine now but I hate being a patient in hospitals and I'm not the best patient as well so I hate needles I hate blood I I, I have I had I have a very clinical not clinical I have a very sterile relationship with my GP where if I don't have to see him I don't have to see him if I don't have to be with him I don't have to be with him like we had this literally such a sterile relationship so I went through the university prospectuses and looked at different careers in healthcare. I went into like school of medicine, health, school of nursing, radiography, physio, um, you name it. I went to a lot, booked myself into a lot of open days. I remember going to the radiotherapy open day and I walking out that open day crying because radiotherapy is basically given cancer patients and help them out with, you know, their radiotherapy, which that should have been, the clue should have been in the name, but this is how oblivious I was to anything health at all. And then, um, so I just said, nursing is not for me. Medicine is not really not for me. Radiography is not for me. Uh, radiotherapy is not for me. And just gradually working my way through the list of uh-huh. courses. Yeah. And then it settled on, oh, and then I saw operating department practice. And I said, what the hell is that? But then the girl that was on the front of the thingy, she had the blue scrubs on. She had a beautiful hat. And I was like, oh, I really like the outfit she's wearing. And I was like, I really like the outfit she's wearing. Hmm, maybe, does that mean I get to wear this? So I looked into it and I was like, oh, sounds about all right. I went to the open day. Wallahi, I don't understand with her head, but I was like, oh, they wear cute outfits. I love what they're wearing. This is so nice. And then in my head, I was like, I'll wear that and I'll pair it up with this earring. I'll wear those shoes. You know, I was already like just accessorizing my outfit in my you head. had the outfit planned head to toe, what are you going to wear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then I went with this and I remember like oh, interviews and I don't even, you know, the miracle thing is I don't even know like what my interview, like how I've aced interviews. But one quality about me was that because I'm also the oldest of seven is that I'm naturally caring because I'm caring towards my siblings. So the thing is, obviously, it's something to do with health. So you need to have that caring, um, like the caring element. And then the you story. Do, about the empathy, yeah. the empathy and the caring. Yeah, and they're like, oh, so and, tell us about I, yourself. And you say, oh, yeah. I've got seven siblings. And they're like, oh, already the, the yeah. same. Like, oh. And I was like, yeah, you know, the seven, <laughs> I've got seven siblings. And then the youngest at that time, she was, um, 
she was like up she died upper died when she was like two months old so like oh, she was a yes. baby so i have a, like a the, the big age difference between her and i and then i was just like okay cool and then the other thing is like so why do you want to study healthcare and i told them the story of my dad i said guys you know what someone's done this for me in a very dark hour and i just want to pay this forward so they were i think they were all like okay they got me in based on like the fact that i really wanted to do something and i also and i'm a caring person but wallahi i did not know what the job entailed because the job is a very very british job like it doesn't exist in anywhere else in, in the world everywhere else in the world i have to say the skills that i can do and then they match me i don't go out by a title like a nurse or a doctor nurse is a very international title a doctor is yeah. a very international whereas my job is not an international type i have to tell them the set of skills i have for them to match me with a role i see so, yeah so yes so when you say operating department pr- practitioner to people they're like odp and you're like uh, they're like excuse me and then you have to explain yourself yes i have to explain it and break it down and they go all right so they'll be like uh, you'll be an anesthesia technology you're a surgical care technologist you are in uh, you are a critical care practitioner those kind of words i'm like yeah yeah that's what i am it's a very so specialist job isn't very, it's so niche it's so niche as and there's only like 3,000 people that do it in the whole of UK am I right from the stats or I think from no I think we're 9,000 strong now but I think it's 3,000 wow. at any one time I think we're like wow. 9,000 strong I think we're 9,000 strong so it's nationally. getting a bit bigger yes okay it's okay. getting a bit bigger but we're still so hidden we're still so so hidden so mm-hmm. also called um, anyway so yes so that's how I got into the job and everyone's like okay Amina and I'm like you know what auntie I am gonna I don't know what it is exactly but I plan on looking very cute this is what I'm gonna wear and then you know I'm like my family kind of know could be a bit you know they're like she's gone crazy she's like this girl they say to my mom she's at your daughter's bonkers but my mom I must admit like one of the things like she didn't particularly understand exactly what I was gonna study at university but she believed in me enough to say okay Hoyo this is what you want to do so what does it entail I'm like I don't know I And I said, Mama, you know what? I really don't know, but this is what they were. So my mom was like, oh, okay. Hey, hey, no worries. And she accepted it for what it is. Like she accepted it for what it is. Because one of the things I forgot to tell you about my parents, guys, is like, Papa and Ho, you're like, they've never really influenced us with their decisions. Does that make sense? It's how they raised us. It was like, they were more like guiders and mentors rather than influencers. So they would tell us what's right. They're like, like, well all parents they told us what's right and they told us what's wrong and then it's up to us to make the decision does that make sense so we had we have like we actively had to choose how what action we're going to take and what we're going to do and that's what like genuinely when i think about it now that's when, we, when people like we, like when i say like because it's like how do you I'm like do you know what it is i feel like it's literally so crazy i've always had a bit of a mind of my own because of the style of parenting that my parents chose which is We really can't tell them much. And then the rule was like, okay, we can control you inside our house, but and you go to school, we have no idea what you're doing, but we trust Allah that you are doing the right choice and that you're taking the right decisions and that you're being a good person. And that's literally how I was raised the whole time. So my mom was like, I don't particularly understand it, but inshallah, as long as you like it, you'll be okay. ماشاءاللہ 
the same, the same core principles. Like we're very big on integrity. We're very big on kindness and honesty, but with seven very different personalities. Like there's the hothead one, there's the comedian, there is the chilled one, there is the serious one. And then like the Ba'adahin and all seven very, seven very different personalities. But the core is what unites us even more as siblings, let alone blood. Because our, so like, you know, right is right, wrong is wrong. And that's what one thing, like I always say, I'm really glad that Ab and Hoya, like, like kind of installed that in us. Exactly. So that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. You basically have strong your, your parents got gave you and your siblings strong set of foundation and more than anything, they gave you trust as well because yes. they, they thought we did the best of our job. From here on, basically they're not always gonna be at your on your back and stuff like that. And I think yes. this is amazing. And this is something that obviously um I'm grateful my parents were like that too and stuff like that. They let me go and basically they trusted me and to make the best yeah. of the situation. And that's the thing, but, you it's an empowering thing when your parents trust you because you just feel like you've got nothing to hide from them and you can just say well mom I think I've done something naughty but it's still like it's like a rite of passage because it's like they remember their own their, they, they don't remember their own childhood as well they'll be like oh, okay well this is what I did when I was a bit younger and then like when it's like and then I remember like you know my dad like his encounter with his up to you who's my granddad and then I and then he which always made me laugh like my dad asked his uncle um he didn't really, he asked a group of men for a cigarette when he was younger, but my uncle, his own upti, my granddad was one of these men. And the minute my dad clocked my uncle, like his, his, his uncle, he just thought, oh my God. And then my uncle, Awawa didn't say anything. He gave, this is like in the older school, old school times. My granddad gave him the cigarette but, and if, but had a private word with him later. And then years later, when I would go back to East Africa, then I see my granddad for the first time. I always remember, like, ah, this is your encounter with my father that he always told us about. But it's always good to see. It was like, there's no point in an area. Then, but then my granddad was like, well, you know, I did the same thing when I was his age. So it was just the understanding, like, the, you know, they were just not adults all the time. They were, they, they were youngers. They were teenagers. They were children. So they kind of understood, like, where a lot of our anxiety would come from. And But they didn't. So it's like the anxiety, like the anxiety that we're going through is probably what our parents went through. But the times were just different. And they always like, yes, yeah, so always, yes, yeah, so they always try to understand us. They always try to understand us and everything that we're going through rather than just, you know, or whatever. But well, like when, my, when I get together with my friends, like one thing about my parents, though, I think they've got the same standard story as also my parents. I don't know if your parents, like, it took them a while to walk to school and they had to go through this rough terrain to get to school and how blessed we are to just walk to a school or be dropped off at school or correct. take a bus. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, correct. So it's one of those things that when my friends are like, oh, my dad had to walk this rough terrain to get to school. I'm like, your dad too, my dad. And those girls, that's my dad, that's my mom. I'm like, oh my God, I must have all gone to the same rough school back then. Exactly. They all they went to the school. It's called the school of hard knock life. The school of hard knocks, exactly. And now I say to Hoya, I always say to Hoya, Mom, I think you guys were making up those stories about you guys had to walk some rough terrain. She goes, Shut up, Naya. She goes, It happened at one point. Well, like, Mom, you guys are generally physically making this up, okay? I think your your schools were a lot more organized than the ghetto comprehensives that we went to. Exactly. <laughs> At least it, right. It's so I'm funny, saying, isn't it, when you have those chats and stuff like that. But that's really yeah. lovely. Thank you, Amina, for um telling us about the background and stuff. So basically now we're at this point where you basically did your degree now mm-hmm. and um obviously like and then basically now you got accepted into the course and everything like that mm-hmm. and then you graduate and you said like you got that you got into this course because a you like the cute outfits or whatever and mm-hmm. and b you thought okay i match this role because 
after you read the description you thought actually you know what it looked really interesting to you more than anything yeah. but you mm. but you had a chance to explore all the different school of health courses and you thought this is the course for me and mm-hmm. um, and so you graduate now and then uh, tell us about how you when you got your first job how did that go so I think uh, just before I get to the first job, the, doing the course wasn't the easiest thing. Like I would, um, as I said, I, because I don't have the best background with like, I don't have a health background. I said, I've got a very sterile relationship with my GP. Like I would, uh, in the first year alone, I fainted like so many times. The first ever time and dig, okay. The first ever time and mindi, okay. The first ever time I saw a needle. The first ever time I see anything icky, I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, I get, I faint. And when I faint, I would faint first thing in the morning as well. And then I, I would be sent home. So he could my like I literally I think the first year my tenders was like really bad. And then towards oh, the wow. end of the year, my man, yes. yeah, my mentor said, he goes, you know, your attendance is really, really bad. Would you consider d- dropping out because the course is not for you? But then by that time I would have been exposed to the drop a little bit. And I have a faint feeling of what I'm doing, what I'm doing right now. And I said, actually, I find it very interesting. I just need to get over my fear of blood and needles and whatever. And then I'll be okay. But then when they saw that I've got this like little bit of fighting spirit, my mentor and um, the, the link person between the university and the hospital were really, really supportive. So um, um, I, I've always, when it comes to so ODP is like threes, anesthetics is re- uh, recovery and surgery. Out of the three, I would always lean towards anesthetics, no matter what. In my, in my training, I have to do all three of them, but I would excel and I would always enjoy my anesthetic placements more than my sur- surgical and more than my recovery uh, placements. And um, I saw one day like um, that St. George's in London, one of the hospitals had a um, a post for a junior, newly qualified um, anesthetics practitioner. And I was just like, well, let me just go for it, apply for it. Because I didn't think I would be, I just thought like, if anything, it can be interview experience. But I did not think that I would be, um, you know, they they would offer me the job. This is like a good seven, eight months before I'm about to qualify. So I, I'm nowhere near qualifying. I'm not ready to start work, but I just said I'm going to apply. So I applied. They interviewed me. And then when they interviewed me, they offered me the job. They liked me. They said, we'll, we'll offer you the job. And I said, Do you're aware that I'm still in university, right? They said, don't worry, we'll wait for you. And I said, okay, great. If you're waiting for me, that's fine. So I... I was, I said, I moved out of university, I moved out for university. So I was living by myself. I was actually like a little feral cat, like a stray cat. Like, I'm not lying to you guys. I was, <laughs> I can't say that I came out, I came out of university looking amazing. I went back to Hoy's house looking like a bestud, like, like a stray cat. <laughs> like a stray cat. You know, I already have like the funniest descriptions ever and stuff like that. And like, now I, I can just like, see a stray cat in my head. <laughs> yeah, I think I came back. I think when I moved back to my mom's house after I moved back, I moved out of Birmingham. So I'm moving back to Sheffield now. Shakadi already won Haista. I'm just waiting for the paperwork to clear up. And then my mom opened the door, had one look at me. And my mom was like, OK, Hoyu. she literally ran me a bath. She goes, go have a bath. So she did my hair. Like literally was like, made mass, made me some food. She goes, Hoya, I just want you to sit and chill for a bit before you start work. Oh, you must have really been exhausted. I mean, after I was, you finished that course, you were exhausted, right? Because we, yeah, I was exhausted because we, I didn't get any holidays. I think I had one week for Easter, one week Christmas and one week summer. And that was my holiday for the duration of my course. And I was just like, oh my God, because ever, as I said, every time that I'm not in the university, I'm at the hospital and hospitals are open 24 seven. And I was just like, oh my God. 
So I literally don't hoy mark hoy looked at me and I was like, you know what? Had if they're waiting for you, let them wait. Take a take a break right now. Take a mental health check where you just do nothing. And it was beautiful. That was the first of the time I took like a break and then it was like, I'm gonna do nothing. And it was like be nice being back at Hoy's house again. You're getting all the good food and you know You're being really looked nice. after. It's so nice, was, right? Yeah, so nice being just looked after, reconnecting with my siblings. And then the thing is you know that and then but then time you know I was having such a good time. Time was ticking and before you know it I had to move to London and you know start working and how was that because was, was that the first time you lived in london now because you go from sheffield to birmingham and then you go to london a big city I, it's such a big city i remember like getting off at victoria station i took the coach because that's all i could afford and then i took the coach i landed and i was like oh, okay and then the places i've never heard of i never heard of tooting broadway before georgia's as well i was like which way that's the hidden broadway? area little hitting little, that's like the hidden area of london <laughs> It is, it is, whatever. And I was like, such as, like, hi, can you tell me what the way to Tooting Broadway is? And it's like, oh my God, it's literally such, like, literally 23, 24 years old landing in London. And it was just like, marhaba bikum. And, and were you smiling at everybody? Like, you know, because up north, people are smiling, aren't they? Yeah, like, we're very friendly, very friendly, very friendly. And it was like a rude, I think you get like, people shoving you and punch like it was just is london is an aggressive city but it's grown on me right we now. are we're an aggressive busy city like you know we see people smile and we're like what's wrong with them <laughs> no i was such a friendly face and then i was literally so i made my way over to tooting broadway took a day's rest and and alhamdulillah like i started the job on the first day and it was and that's it really i think after that it would just be like you put the shoes on and I just ran with those shoes, basically. Alhamdulillah, when I started the, that hospital, I I think by default, like I, you know, I said I came across really some really nice people who became like mentors to me, and they were like, "We want you to do this." And it's like they saw potential in me that I didn't know that I had in myself. And then this is these days as well. Like this is like twelve years ago. I'd say twelve, fifteen years ago, we really didn't have many Somali professionals or Somali senior professionals in um, in in a lot of the jobs. We didn't. So, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So and if I, they my, were there, if they were there, you didn't really know them unless they were yes. like your brother's friend or you or like an aunt and other aunt. No, no. Yeah. Because again, what some of our listeners, especially the younger ones that might be listening is this was all the internet at that time was like there wasn't really was facebook around that time it wasn't really was it no facebook was around oh, oh, facebook in 2007 was around. but it wasn't like it wasn't used like it, it wasn't, wasn't used like now it, like now yeah, yeah. No, so now we're using facebook for like jobs and stuff and you know connecting and networking back then but now you're friends up. with everybody on facebook and you're friends with like lots of people now whereas back in the day like i don't know like i joined facebook i think maybe 2009 2010 and even when i think of two 2009 I'm like oh my god that was such a long time ago but like when you were starting work or when I was starting work like I I couldn't there wasn't really no LinkedIn properly there wasn't Facebook was around but nobody really used it that much so it felt like you were disconnected from the rest of the world correct yeah yeah really it, it, it was correct I think I think I'll tell you how we, we uh, how we used to use Facebook back then Facebook back then was used to look at boys or look at girls that's how literally how it was it was used to spot each other we were not using social media properly guys okay we didn't so, know we didn't know I agree and listen like I was like I joined I joined I think I joined Facebook in 2007 or 2008 if I'm not mistaken no I'm pretty sure I was no I joined Facebook in 2007 right from the very beginning I was there and then I remember like the DMs I would get like mashallah I'm like dude whereas now it's a little bit like hi well I noticed that you 
you do this work. I was wondering if I can help if I was wondering if you could help me, blah, blah, blah. So the conversations that we are having are in, around social media has completely changed, which is beautiful and amazing. That's like, you know, and nice was back then like you'd get random text message from someone declaring their undying love for you and like what am I and you're like, I don't even know you I, I don't even know you or, they, or they're like you know or they'll poke you do you remember the pokes yeah I remember the work I remember the poke like you just get poked and this, and this you're is like, the thing why like why are you poking like why are you it was yeah. just so weird like, just, and, like and, really and you're weird. like block 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 this person block this person you're like yeah. Amen, amen. Honestly, my block list is so long from those days. I was like, "What is this? Why are you blo- why, why are you poking? Where's this DM coming from?" What am I And I didn't know how the profile thing all worked as well. Whereas now we're using like we're using social media to organize networking events. We're using social media to organize fundraisers. We're using social media to connect with people in similar fields. We're using social media to further our careers. Back then, social media was literally like, you know, and um, my favorite word had Alafdon by Mesh Alafdon. I could not stop laughing. That's my favorite word, by the way, Alafdon. Alafdon. No, it's true. You, you, you literally said it. But yeah, back in the day, that's how exactly social media is. And for Alafdon, for those of you who don't um, know what Alafdon is, it, in, in English, I'm going to try to translate it. It means a soul soul searching or searching no. for your soulmate. How, so, how yes, do you say it? it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, so. So, searching for your soulmate, or for um, <laughs> the searching for your fate, or something like that. It basically, yeah. <laughs> is something. And and the other thing is as well, it was a bit of a taboo for girls to be on social media. That's one thing I remember. So it's like a lot of the girls would not like wouldn't write their full name like Amina Ibrahim. They'll call themselves like I don't know Hadra something. You know, everybody You're, would yes, have an exactly. alias. Everybody had a nickname and alias. Uh, and basically, yeah, that's yeah, true. because you don't <laughs> want to be known as that. You're on social media. I mean, come on, guys. This is like what 2007 how times have changed <laughs> how have times changed exactly exactly i mean honestly i, I agree with you no, nobody had it so so yeah so it's different now but like you know i think you said a really good point i mean you said obviously like now with social media we use it to organize ourselves and obviously to do events etc so that brings us back to, to your next chapter which is yes. obviously um when you um how did you use facebook you can let people know about how you use social media to do your initiative your charity initiative so I used my I used my initial the, for the so for the Somaliland Health Center. So it's now called Somali Health Exchange. But the Somali Health Exchange or she um, started um, it started initially as um, Somali Health Exchange started as Somaliland Healthcare Initiative, and is basically. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, I said, like, I took one of the things, like, for the listeners is that I would I would end up taking, after five years, like, I started in the NHS at the age of 23, and then um, at the age of 28, I end up just saying, I need to take a bit of time out, because I it was nearing, like, a lot of things. I just feel like, you know, I, I just wanted to live. I feel like I haven't experienced, like, a lot of, like, say, a lot of, like, bucket list, life goals kind of thing. So I took five years just to travel and wander around the Middle East and, you know, go to Saudi, go to Abaratka, um, go to Asia and just do like some random little bits and whatnot. So it was it was really nice. But in my travels in Nepal um, in 2017, one of the things that we noticed uh, with the charity that I went to work in was that um, the, the healthcare system wasn't doing a lot of the systems that we fall back on in the NHS, like, you know, cons- informed consent, vital signs, infection control. None of that existed. And I just thought, oh my God, you know, because it was my second time in Nepal. So I was really shocked that we didn't have that. And I just said, how did we miss this? And then while I was in Nepal, like literally, it's like, I was like, oh my God, if this is what's happening in Nepal, what the hell is happening in Somaliland? What's happening in, you know, the country of what's going on over there? And uh, I'm left, I so as I said, I moved back to the UK two years ago. So that would make a 
um, almost three now. So I moved back in January to in, uh, uh, end of December, January, end of December 2017, January 2018. I'm back in the UK. I'm back in mom's house. And I just said, right, I need to figure out what's happening in Somaliland without physically going to Somaliland. So I used social media and it was like, hey guys, so I made the question as broad as possible, not just isolated to Somaliland, but the whole of Somalia and the Somali regions and just anywhere in East Africa. And I said, guys, who has experience working in the Somali areas? What is your, I just want to hear about your experiences, what you've encountered, and uh, what would you recommend for someone like me who wants to t- take this trip to figure out like how I can help them? And I had like something like 200 responses. Those 200 responses, in all fairness, they were really off putting. Those like, oh, it's disgusting. Oh, they don't know anything. Oh, it's horrible. It's hurt. Uh, it was literally nothing but negativity and not just the right negativity. It wasn't the cautious negativity. It's the type of negativity that would put you off what you want to do. So then I just said, you know what, maybe, just maybe, I need to, um, um, I'll, I, in order to find out the true, like there's two sides of a story, as they always say, to find out what the actual, you know, truth is and the other side of the story, maybe I should go to um, Somaliland myself and figure it out how it is. So my plan was just to use my annual leave, take three weeks and go had Gesa, go to the Edna Adan Hospital. And I've organized all of that. But while, I've, while I'm in the middle of organizing that, I had one late responder to the question and this girl basically changed the course of events and everything that I was going to do. And she said, I mean, I want you, she goes, Edna Adlin Hospitals is very good. She goes, I'm sure you do a lot of good work. I want you to look at the public hospitals. And I said, what's, what's up with the public hospitals? And she just couldn't elaborate and wouldn't give me any more information. She just said, look at the public hospitals. So I slowly broadened my research again into Hargeisa Public Hospitals, Bura Public Hospital, Ergabo, that and so forth. And I couldn't find, again, as I said, hold up, this is a big, big job and I can't do it by myself. How about if I turn this um, idea that I want to go by, my, that I want to do by myself into a group trip? like a bunch of us go. So I turned to social media again and then um, I used appropriate platforms. I said, hi guys, I'm now going to Hargeisa on a trip. Who wants to join me? And then steadily I've had, you know, people say, hey girl, um, I really, I want to join you. But subhanAllah, we all ended up being girls, by the way. It wasn't intentional because remember, I will post a question out there for everyone to see. It wasn't on female only platforms. It was on platforms shared by um, you know, that would have male members and female members. But for some strange reason, I only attracted female members and female responders. So Burka Yeah, most likely I think maybe because you're a female and you said let's go to the homeland. I think Mm. maybe people then I don't know, maybe the brothers felt a bit like "Mm, okay then. But but it could have been that they could have still at least contacted you and said, Actually, I'm interested. So it's not like you said this is a girls only trip. No, I didn't. I did not not one bit. I mean, had I the thing is had I even had they even contacted me, it would have been like nice because then I know there'll be like some the boys are interested as well, but genuinely an interest and everything, it was I remember I've actually like I had two I had two male members who actually said and we want to help but they thought it was like a paid thing and they thought I was an NGO and I said no well I'm not an NGO I'm just like one person doing this and then one of them was like one was based in Kenya and works for another NGO and I said okay um I said you know um we, it's not something that we can help and another guy was like it just didn't work out like you know so it was self-funding the, exactly because you guys were self-funding for the trip yeah. taking your own time off from yes. your jobs to go to um sorry back to Somalia and like you said you're literally using your annual leave and your own money to do this right and yeah not everyone so- can be committed to do this 
No, hundred percent. So what's it called? Um, that's how we got to. That's how we got to where. So then it just ended up being seven girls. And how um, many people told you they're interested at the beginning? So like to, from like say two hundred. So the two hundred responded. Fifty people down for the trip. Twenty like then it would be like fifty. But as you it's your typical anybody who's organized the group holidays knows that fifty people will say, Yes, yes. sign me up, yes. Sign me up, where do I sign up? Woo-hoo. Yes, I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the day of the trip. <laughs> on the day of the trip, how many people turned up on the day of the trip? It was seven, 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 Mashallah, including myself. Seven. So, just, you, so yeah. six people plus you. That's amazing. Yes, you know, at the end is... of the day, you, you had the committed people who turned up because like we yes. said to everybody, and this is not a negative thing on anybody, but it's just that obviously when you're self-funding a trip, sometimes obviously the cost can add up to certain people. Sometimes maybe some people cannot at the end take the time off from work or whatever. Yeah. So everybody I'm sure had their own legitimate reason of why they couldn't come. But it's amazing literally from one Facebook post that you actually ended up seven of you going to the trip. So I see yeah. that as a big win, mashallah. No, right, it really was. And then it really was a lovely, it was a big win. And as I said, it's the good thing about it is that the weird thing is though, funnily enough, is that I had enough money because I would like to make this happen, guys. I would work day and night. I would do some crazy shifts. Like I, I worked like crazy just to make this trip happen. Because as the beginning of the podcast, I started with, if I say that I'm going to do something, I want to do something. I don't want to be known as flaky. So my thing, my word to me is like, if I've given something, if I've given, if I've made a commitment to myself or made a commitment to somebody else, I want to do what I've said I'm going to do. So I would work day and night. So I actually had enough money in the bank to fund two people who really wanted to go but couldn't afford it. Wow. So you literally not only funded yourself, subhanAllah, you actually had extra money to fund yeah, two other to people. To fund two other as people. A pro, as a, as just, a yeah, pono. Wow. Because, yeah, it's because I said, if you really want to give back to the motherland, money shouldn't, money shouldn't hold you back. Mashallah, right yes. and that's uh-huh. why so i said if you really want but the thing is like it, it even when i said okay well I'll, it doesn't matter about the money how about if i and then you know what this especially because it was the first trip as well and i'm asking people to volunteer in africa and it's like an volunteer in africa and use your annual leave so i was actually fair i said hotel kaga and transportation i'll pay wow. for that so wow. i worked hard like I work like oh I mean I can't if I can describe to you the, the days that I was working I worked like some crazy possessed woman like I needed to make this trip happen I uh-huh. need to pay for everybody's food I need to pay for everybody's hotel I need to pay for everybody's breakfast and car and transportation I had to pay for all of that so Ms. Ulid went by Sasari such a big result so I just said but what 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 happened was even despite everything and you know even when the people would show up said okay it's fine the way I see it, the six people who joined me were the ones who were committed from the beginning. Like, And also don't forget, they, they are the ones who would have sacrificed their Saturdays planning. We would meet up, plan this trip that we want to take. You know, how do we go about it? How do we conduct ourselves? How are we going to, you know, they, they were there from the planning stages all the way to Heathrow Airport. Eventually, then we meet this because we're different from different parts of the world. We met in Heathrow. The ones who are from Europe, we all met in, in Heathrow. The ones that some of our colleagues are from the Middle East, we would meet in Dubai International, you know, the terminal 
Wales and then from Dubai International all the way to Hargeisa. So it was just like, and it's essentially it's like a road trip with strangers. And then it's on me as well. Make sure everybody's safe. Make sure everybody's comfortable, security, comfort. And like, you know, the parents, like, the, again, the, you know, the parents of some of these girls were like, so what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going, you're, what, you're going on a trip with a group of people who we don't know, they're strangers. So it was like, I created a special WhatsApp group for the bums and the dads. So we can check wow. in with them. Yeah, the, the parents nice. had a special what's yeah, so they can check nice. in. And if one of us, if what like if one of us sends a message to say, hey Hoyos, we are okay, then they know that we're all together and that person is responding on behalf of everyone else. And then what would happen is that the mums would become friends as well. And then like the mums haven't seen each other, but the relationship that the mothers formed over the WhatsApp group was hilarious. Now, one of the mistakes that we did was we went um from Hargeisa to Borama, and then the road to Bora, you have to go the road to Bura to Hargeisa, it takes you back to Hargeisa again. Does that make sense? So we passed by Hargeisa. So the moms are said, and then typical Somali moms they go, and why could it not put Bora last because it's the closest to Hargeisa and you don't have to do the road twice. And then the other moms are chips. Literally, we're getting slated, guys. You're getting group. slated on the WhatsApp group for the parents or whatever. This is brilliant. Yeah. You 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 couldn't make it up. You couldn't make it you up. You really couldn't. It's literally like voice note after voice note of each mom insulting us and i'm like really what happened to the du'as that you were supposed to send daily <laughs> it became, you guys became the entertainment or whatever but come on they gave you your, the, the biggest blessing by sending you guys all strangers to the motherland and stuff like that to do this mission <laughs> do you know what a hundred percent a hundred percent and i think that's the one thing that we're always like we said okay let's not rock the boat it's the alhamdulillah we are here thank you god that we're here to let us go uh, just let them insult us but we thought it was cute like how they were bonding and they haven't met at least by now me and the girls and i have met we know each other we've got used to each other like we're doing you know we're now like we're like alhamdulillah we're now really good friends but before that was like we were strangers we were road trip with strangers so we found like how the mothers were forming their own relationship also a little bit cute as well that's so nice. yeah yes. so, so that's you the guys power got of- home now yeah so now you guys are home you met each other on i'm sorry you met each other you do so how did how did the what was the reaction to the for the locals when they saw a group of girls who were ready to help was everybody like oh wow we're very grateful or was there hesitation of them taking some help from a group of girls who said hesitation in the beginning hesitation big time hesitation big hesitation and sexism hesitation especially when you submit your letter to the ministry of health to say that you're on your way and we want with your permission because you need to have their blessing everything that we did like everything that i did i tried to do it like as safe and as proper as possible like used appropriate channels ministry of health we're going with our british licenses with our dutch licenses you know whichever license of the country that we are uh, residents and wherever the country that we're registered the countries that we're registered to so we are bound by code of conduct and scope of practices so we were not doing anything that like i wasn't doing anything that i wouldn't do in the uk in hargeisa that that way so we had to do things properly so i remember once the my email reached the ministry of health they would take an age an age 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 to reply and I would like say, send my cousin who lives in Hargeisa, say, can you please go nip to the office today and see what's taking them so long? And then I heard it through the grapevine that uh, was so called um, the, one of the someone some of the workers when they saw a list of like seven names and they're all female. They go, oh, Gabduhum Gurbu then, which is basically roughly translates to is like, oh, the girls here to be married. And I just thought, oh, you sexist. 
right? I was so annoyed with that comment. Oh, and wow. I was like, That's so very yeah. unprofessional, isn't it? I know. Like- Bad. I was like, Bad. I'm good. But then, do you know what it is? I, I, the thing is, I'm not sure if you remember her. Allah Hamma Hodan Nalaya. Hodan. Hodan Nalaya. I love that woman. Yeah, she, she is my incredible. inspiration. Allah Hamma. Yes. So, so one of the segments that she did is about a Canadian, um, Somali Canadian girl. I think she was a doctor. She goes back to Kismayo to see her grandmother and she falls in love with a local boy and they get married. So it is a thing. It is a thing that's actually happening in the Horn of Africa where diaspora girls are going back um, and marrying local. I'm not disputing it because I may have seen the one or two cases. But, but, that, but that's Holland, nothing wrong with that. But it's just the way that they assume that seven of you were coming to get married. Like seven of you, not even one or two, but all seven of you. <laughs> all seven of us. All seven of us. Because it's the thing that is the trend that's happening. So you're absolutely right. I, I mean, I'm all for love. If you find Alafkag Haga. I've got nothing against it. But Absolutely. It's just the fact nothing that, wrong with that. There's nothing yeah, wrong just, with but that. But it's the fact that we were just like, oh, you're all here for marriage. I'm like, I wonder if seven male names would get the same re- reaction. And then probably knowing some artists, they probably would do the same, say the same thing. But I just thought, hmm. So to me, I was already like, I was like, mm, ben. I was like okay, we're going to have to wow these. We're going to have to wow them. I wanted to make them eat their words. I really just wanted them to make them eat their words. So eventually when I get the blessing from the Ministry of Health and we conduct our training, try out a couple of the trainings. And with the girls, I was like, girls, there's a lot resting on this training. We need to show them what we're made of. You know, go out there and do your best. And I think the first training alone, I remember like when I walked out and when we finished, one of the um, the, the local doctors and um, one of the directors came and they were like, you wowed us. Wow. Because we literally, we're, we're, you know, like let, we're, we're going to let our actions speak for ourselves. Because Absolutely. we know, we know that we're, we know that we're, you know, coming here as the underdogs. We yeah. are not an NGO. We yeah. don't have money. We don't have money backing us. We don't have anything official backing us. We literally are the diaspora returning to give back, and that's it. That's like the gist of what we did. And exactly. so it's like there's so much against us so the thing we're not we can't compete with the big names like the who or the un or you know any of this you know what's it called save save the children we can't compete with them funding wise but we can compete with them and you know outsmart them action wise and uh, and i believe and i believe and i trust in you know our action plan our training and how we do things and how we conduct ourselves so i remember like when the first ever training that we've done, we left them stunned and they're like, wow, you really wowed us. And I said, oh, well, you know, thank you. We hope that you guys can join us for the next one. And you could tell that the first they thought we were joke was the first training. I mean, I was lucky to get eight to 12 people in. You know that. Really? So the first training, yeah. you literally only had eight or 12 people coming yeah. to you. Wow. Yeah, literally. And then the next one, the next one, they came and the, the next the next one would have 60. And I was like, word is getting out. We're now being taken serious. I'm not. So the weird thing is we go from like struggling to recruit people to attend our sessions. And in uh, Samira, uh-huh. this year, when, when I went back, this year we went back again. I had 350 people attend one session. Wow. So literally you went from the first session going back two years ago, right? The yes. first session was. Yeah, yeah. And you struggled and you had eight to twelve people max. Struggling, then, yeah. Then, struggling. Then, struggling. Struggling. Then the next section after that it was sixty people. And then two yeah. years later, three hundred people. That is amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. And that's what I said. When I was like, you know, we didn't have to say anything. And I said to the girls, we let our actions speak 
so loud. Our actions will speak louder than anything we say. I know we're competent. I know we are capable. But what they're seeing is like they're just seeing a Somali woman in front of them. We will show them what we are made of and what we are capable of. And wallahi, like nothing gives me, like the biggest thing, one of the biggest pleasures I get is when I see this girl saying, oh, one of the girls, I remember wanted to volunteer. She's like, do you, because we're all like, you know, women, you know, like we're all like, I think I'm the oldest, like I'm the oldest in my 30s. There's like, what's it called? A lot of the girls in their 20s and they're like, we've got mid-20s we've got 19 year olds like we take one or two students with us as well we only we leave a space for one student who's interested in maybe joining help doing healthcare or medicine and then give them an opportunity like this and then so it can help towards their cv so they're always like oh should we should then they're like should we take somebody who's older than us so they can be our face and they can talk on our behalf and i'm like can we can you not do you not have a mouth can you not talk for yourself yeah but you know what obviously some things will sound better when it comes from a grown-up and i'm like and why are we not grown-ups so it was oh, like yeah. with second and then you see those girls and you see them now they're in the motherland they're in africa and then they're like leading workshops with conviction with some so much sureness with with competence with eloquence with every being professionalism yeah professionals yeah and it literally just well i like i would go out in and out between the sessions like if i'm like if i'm like moderating or making sure everything's okay like the registration and the paperwork i would go in and out of the different buildings that the trainings are being held in and i like i go out and i smile to myself and i'm like above all yes we are helping the people in uh in wadanka lakin it's the confidence that it's giving the girls and then as well like we know that you know there's all the isms that exist in the nhs and yes, how black yes. people don't don't have the same and, and access to training as like their white counterparts especially but, leadership um, training and everything yes, like that. yes and leadership training yes. you and have you the same what? post yes and this the weird thing is 2018 2019 2020 every single recruit of nurses that i've had have now all become so they've all joined me as senior like they, they would join me as band fives which is like a junior band mm-hmm. five entry level and then they do one trip with us expose them to leadership let them lead the workshops and then the next time there's a, um, a promotion out, they go for it and they get it. So now all my nurses are now senior nurses. And then Amazing. the one nurse, yeah, the one nurse who actually joined me in 2018 still was at band five to band six, and she's now a band seven. Subhanallah, see what I mean? The opportunity, and we the have, confidence, and the leadership yes. that training gave them is you can't put any price on that. You really can't. You really 110% can't because it's we've we're given like it's also like within the whole thing as well. Within like within like the backstory of like she is diaspora going back to East Africa and giving back, but it is also creating spaces where we can be leaders, creating spaces and opportunities where we can lead and we can also support each other. So when you, when I have like a girl in her 20s and say, I mean, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, why can't you not do this? You can do this. Come on, you know, you got this. And then like be a little bit tough on her. Say, come on, it's a menace. Sisterhood, that's sisterhood. That is sisterhood though, right that there is, or whatever. Exactly. Where you're telling your sister, the, the same way that you will tell your sibling that you are related to, you can mm. do it. What are you talking about and stuff? You're telling this girl that you met and stuff like that. You can do it, sister. Why not as well? That's it's called yes. sister love. Yeah, sisterhood. It is. And wallahi, like you don't in the middle of it, you don't see it. But it's only it's always when we come back and we decompress and we reflect and we just go, 
Whoa. And it's always, it's like both trips would be like life changing for different that's reasons because beautiful. the girls, that and that's like the really nice thing. That was, that's like the really nice things. It's like the girls are coming out a lot more because I feel like if you've done something like that in like the harshest terrain of the world in Africa, wallahi, you can do it in the NHS. And there is nothing and no one that can stop you because you've done something, you've overcome. It's not just like, it's not just like, it's standing in front of the room. It's tra- standing in front of the room and commanding people with not your best Somali, because, I mean, Maka, we're doing a whole podcast with both Somalis, and we've thrown one or two Somali world out, Somali word out there. Yes, but yes. <laughs> imagine if we had to. And it is like, you, com- you want to command their respect. You want to command their engagement. And in- on top of the engagement, the, the audience engagement, because you just don't want to be reading at them, talking at them. You, you want, want them to, to ask engage. questions. Yes. You want to engage them. You, you want to give them opportunities where they ask yeah. questions and stuff 100%. like that. 100%. And like you said, and, and you wanted to get that respect. And I think by you telling me the story and obviously I think our audience will listen to this and understand as well that you actually um there was no opportunity for you guys and you've created your own opportunity but the whole main aim of the opportunity was just for the reason to help the people back home but what yes. you gained back of it is priceless in terms, in terms of confidence and uh, in terms of confidence and leadership and basically and more than anything or whatever showing other people that actually you girls meant business that's my summary of it is that right no yeah no 100 that's what it was that's what it was and the friendship and the sisterhood and everything has come out of it that and then and then you just when you have to reflect again back on your circle of people and it's just like the she girls i said we don't talk every day uh and when we do but when we do talk like we're well but we're still like you know we keep in touch hey how are you with we touch up on you know um and how's everything but like we're not like it's not something that you know we would like we're not talking it we don't talk every day but it's just it's a, another it's a different type of relationship where exactly we want, you created it's a it's a community a network you created a network yeah a network of people who just just want, want the best for you and you want the best for them and you want exactly. the best for them and then you go and you travel with each other and then like you do like some of the nuttiest things that you when you think back like did we actually do this I'm like yeah we did this and, and then did. come back yeah and we did and it's like it's a beautiful thing when I like I'm That's above beautiful. all like it's a beautiful I'm thing oh, I'm very proud I'm in oh I'm absolutely in oh hearing that it's oh, so beautiful you, I, love, I love hearing sister and, and I think I commend you for starting it because um everything starts with the hardest had you not made that message to say hey who wants to go with me and stuff like that you basically everything that you just said it all started with one post you using social media to ask okay and from there on like you said you were talking to lots of people and from there on you had six committed girls join you on a trip of a lifetime which since then has been happening every year except Mm -hmm. obviously for maybe this year coming up now because of the whole covid we were were there in january we we were there in january we were we were there in january so after we came so in january was so completely cut off from the world so imagine when i landed back in january end of january to in heathrow and you come back to the world full of face masks there's a bit of fear i'm like what the hell is going on we were (laughs) completely cut off from covid for like a good yeah and nobody knew about it in covid in january it was just like a bit weird and then like you said you come back but come obviously this year coming up and stuff like that um it's not gonna happen is 
is it for this year coming up January no I don't think I don't think it's going to happen up until the quarantine rules are relaxed either in Hargeisa or in Heathrow because no one I don't have to we, we don't have enough time to quarantine on arrival on both countries so it's like I can't quarantine quarantine two weeks of quarantining on arrival in Hargeisa two weeks of quarantining on arrival in Heathrow that's four weeks gone already so we exactly, don't have especially, enough simply you don't have leave. enough holidays exactly because mm. most people um, again this is just for the UK and maybe most Europe most people we get five weeks holiday if we're exactly, lucky yeah. five weeks holiday so already if you have to quarantine two weeks there two weeks there you literally only have one week in the country and yeah. you'll not be able to do and that. that's not so, really they're not going to do much can you so exactly, it's not yeah. it's not worth it we'll just wait until at least one of the quarantine rules are relaxed um, on both um, like on either either one or both ideally inshallah so that's inshallah the no, that sounds good that sounds good mm. and mm. Um, so I'm um, sorry I mean I still wanted to basically touch up on the subject of um, yes. you, know, you talked about the ism obviously you, you touched them on the ism obviously being the sexism in mm. obviously back home and stuff like that but you've also in, in, encountered sexism in um, in Saudi yeah so you went to you went to Abu Dhabi and you went to uh, Saudi do you want to give us one example of each of how you were able to able to a what kind of sexism you had and b how you were able to overcome it because again with this whole point of this podcast is is we want to inspire people we don't want to just tell you about problems but we want to also tell you about solutions solutions so it'd be nice yes. to hear how you were able to navigate the ism and from your side the isms okay so the isms when you're a woman is we're within here because you have to is 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 isms is so many the isms are many so in the uk is your good old standard box standard racism islamophobia which is something that like a lot of us like would have like the odd experience with especially like maybe like one one or two very rare but it does happen in the middle east was an interesting one because i i was not prepared for the middle east guys i really wasn't because the middle east was a very especially saudi guy more than because saudi was my first ever stop so um i think the first so i think so with saudi the main thing is like so i have a special interest in trauma and I love major trauma, not like traumatic incidences, but just clinical major trauma is a passion of mine. And also called, um, is a speciality that I do really well in. And I wanted to pursue it and understand it further. So one of the biggest trauma centers in the world is in Surudiga. So I just said, you know what, I'll go work in Saudi Arabia. Why not to pursue and understand trauma better? And uh, I applied for the job. Um, they really liked my CV. Um, but they wouldn't offer me the contract for the longest time. And then later I found out it's because I was a woman. And then anyway, eventually they will offer me the contract. I arrive in Riyadh. And when I arrive in Riyadh, the first thing I notice is that in my department, I'm the first Western trained female in the whole department. And it was like, I was like, okay. And then, you know, like it specialized on me because, you know, like, um, not from the area number one and also like your competency and your thing and everything was just being questioned so um it was it was uh, i don't even know where to start with the isms i love i mean i love my time in saudi but it wasn't without its challenges so of course you especially <laughs> being a black um obviously muslim they're all muslim yes. but you are black you're somali you're <laughs> and, and you're a foreigner because you're from the uk because obviously yeah. look at your passport i doubt if you had somali passport they would let you work work straight away oh 100% and on the thing the issue of identity in saudi as well they said hey, they were one of the very things like amina amina I said yes one of the questions i would have later would be on identity and they go amina amina I said yes and they're like oh um you are in British, you are in Grisia, but your grandfather's Somali, right? I said, no, no, my grandfather's Somali, 
my father's Somali and I'm also Somali. I said, I also happen to be British and my father happened to be British as well. And then they're like, but I said, look, in the UK, you can easily be British. You can easily be British, Somali, Muslim, and at no point do the three, if you don't, if you don't let it, uh, do the three conflict with each other because the very basis of all these you know the basis of islam is to be a good human the basis of muslim nimo and being and being a muslim and being a good like is just like just be a good human i think all three of them have got the same foundation and they don't they do not conflict so we don't pick and choose a side um uh, you don't pick and choose a side and at no point have i been conflicted with them. So I said, I am equally as British as Somali, and it does not, it means nothing. I said, in the UK, we celebrate the fact that of these differences as the same way you can have like a, a Chinese British person, you can have a Pakistani British person. I said, it is all love. We don't have a problem with this. So they found that really weird because they wanted to like, they just really like, they wanted me to drop the whole Somali tag so bad. Like being a Somali is something to look down on. And if anything, my Somaliness is what I celebrate the most about me because being a Somali is amazing, guys. Like we were absolutely, I mean, there's no one quite, when it comes to humor, Somalis are like top tier, mashallah. Yeah, they wanted so, you to hide your identity, and yeah. and I understand that. And, and this Just, is something that obviously the people that don't live in the Middle East or the Somali people who haven't been to Middle East, it's very well known and stuff like that. They, yeah, they, they can't, they, they can't, they, they can't contemplate the fact that you can be British and Somali. It's, to them, is you're yeah. either or because if you, you're there and you're born Somali, you can't, you don't really get a, a Saudi passport and stuff like that unless yeah. it's by special and, special arrangement. <laughs> And they looked down on Somalis. I remember one of the Saudi doctors at one point said to me, Amina, he goes, uh, one of the things that I've learned, he goes, uh, about 80 years ago, uh, the dates, Somalia, Somalia used to send the dates to Saudi Arabia as charity. I said, really? I said, I wasn't aware, but I said, you, I said, I'll tell you one thing I know for a fact about current state of the horn. I said, our women can drive and yours can't. And Ledger said, that's where you need to end. Like, you know, that's why you need to remember, like, what the, but it's not just the Somalis, it was the Pakistanis. They used to look down on the Pakistanis as well and the Indians. And he used to say to them, oh, do you realize that the people that you're talking about this to come from very big, powerful governments? And they go, what do you mean powerful governments? I said that both are nuclear power holders. And they go, what? This the fact that they, I just felt like they led very sheltered lives. That's, some that's of the them issue. do. Some of them do. Some, but, yeah. but, 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 but unfortunately, ignorance and negligence is everywhere mm-hmm. in the world. But I, I particularly wanted to hear about regarding yes, that's your what I'm experience. Get back to, yes. so, yeah, so that's, so that's basically identity as a whole in the Middle East. So that's one thing that they always found a bit weird clinically so now in practice uh, as a woman has said to you guys i'm really passionate about trauma in the uk i was part of the big major trauma team would respond to arrests you know everything every sort of emergency i was there and my, be, me being a woman i wasn't held back like if i if i'm competent and i can do it once a mania so one of the things that would always stand out the first at the time was that uh, we had a boy who had a car car accident he, he was in a car accident and we were losing him on the operating table and then what's called, I heard, um, um, I, I walked past the trauma theater and my colleagues were taking turns resuscitating. So doing chest compressions on this boy. And uh, there were three boys taking resuscitations and turns. So resuscita- resuscitations happens as is a cycle of two minutes each. And this boy was, because he was so young, his, his body could take a lot more. So they let the um, resuscitation go for like 45 minutes. So, you know, like these, and then I can see now through the gallery that my colleagues, 
the boys that are doing the resuscitation are getting tired. The quality of compressions is not as good as it meant to be. And everybody who does healthcare knows that um, a good, you know, like a good recovery or a good outcome for a um, post cardiac arrest for a cardiac arrest is you need to have good quality chest compressions. So I can see my the boys physically getting tired and the quality of the compression is not good. I didn't say anything. I just put my gloves on, put my face mask on and I walked into the theater and when the last guy just finished his two-minute cycle, I tapped in and I said, Anasamenia. So I tapped in and started doing compressions and then eventually became part of the cardiac arrest team. So I did that because in front of me, was there was a life that needed to be saved. And, you know, that, that was my focus. You know, there's, I'm looking at the numbers that are on the screen. I'm looking at the, what's being presented in front of me and it's not looking good. My brain recognizes it is not looking good and we need to do what we can to save his life. But in that precise moment, guys, the theater, the theater felt quiet and it felt so, 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 so quiet. And then while I'm saying, and because I'm so in the moment with this kid, I'm so in the moment, I did not notice this. And then later was so called like, subhanAllah, we lost that boy, Allah And when we lost him, I was apprehended by my Saudi colleagues, the girls, and they said, um, and then the Saudi girls, I thought, well, that's what I looked at, you know, the Saudi girls came out of their rooms, the Filipino nurses came out of the rooms, most of the female, they all came out of their rooms and they were all in the gallery watching me doing the compressions. And I was like, hold up, did I do something wrong? Had I? And that's when the Saudi girls said, why did you do that? And I was like, well, hold up, are you not life support trained? She goes, yes, I am. I said, if you're life support trained, why, what's stopping you from doing something like this? Now, there was no written rule, but it was just not the written, it was not done the it was not the dumb thing in the place that I was in. Women do not partake in emergencies. Women do not partake in traumas. Women do definitely do not partake in CPRs and cardiac arrest and compressions. So me doing that was a big deal on its own. So I was so called. Remember in the beginning, I told you guys, the Saudis, they, they offered me the job, but the contract that they offered me, and guys, honestly, it was one of the, it was not like the salary wasn't as good as what I was on London, but like realistically, as I've got, I had such a passion for trauma and the experience of living in a different country, the experience of even being close to Mecca and Medina as a Muslim. To me, I said, you can't put money on this. I would, I'm just going to take it and it'll be okay. I was a lot younger then, by the way. And then also called, I, um, my, like a week and a half after that incident, was called, uh, my manager called me to the office to see how I'm doing. He goes, how are you doing? How are you settling in? And I, I was like, alhamdulillah, I'm not, you know, it's all good. I'm, you know, surviving, not too bad. And he said, what do you think of your salary? And I said to him, it's actually a lot lower than what I was on in London. But I said, um, I can't, you know, the experience that I'm getting from here is going to be like, um, it's priceless so it doesn't bother me too much and there and then Riyadh Al-Sam is when that, that man offered me a pay rise and he paid me equally as what he was paying the men Masha'Allah. Yeah. Wow. And then so that's literally, literally. And then, but I, so the thing is, I, obviously, no one talks about salaries. And then, no. but I found out straight after that he paid me on the same pay scale as the men. And then the, the incident of me, um, doing the chest compression on that boy as well. It was the first of a time that a woman has partaken in chest compressions in their trauma theatres. So I lost my patients. Four months later, we had another cardiac arrest on the table. And this time the compressions were led by one of the Saudi girls. Saudi girls took over, led it, was part of the team, and the boy lived. 
And Amazing. the high, the high that she got because it was her first ever compression. She's got the life support courses. They go for the training, but they just don't practice it because it was it. And then she oh. practiced it and she saved the whole life. The way she was so high and proud of herself. And she goes, Amina, I need to tell you what I did. I need to tell you what I did. That's amazing. See what I mean? Yeah. And it's not like the rules said that the girls can't do it. But no. It just wasn't a dumb thing. No, absolutely. It's definitely not a dumb thing. It definitely was not a dumb thing. And then to, it's like, so to me, it's like, so that's the, isn't that was the most blatant form of sexism I have faced because it was like, yes, you, so you must have liked me from my CV, wouldn't pay me what I'm worth. And I feel like unintentionally had to prove that I am worth the same sense as any other man. Wow, this Does is what I mean. Sense? Exactly, you overcame that. You overcame that. You yeah. overcame that challenge. It's overcoming. It's, when then it's, it's overcoming those challenges. Still overcome. It's like, and we're still fighting. We're still fighting. We're still overcoming. And we're still, you know, like we're, the the important thing is, Samira, is that if one of us opens that door, like it's, if you're the first woman or you're the first person from an ethnic minority, you're the first Somali man, you're the first black man, you're the first black woman, Somali woman, Muslim, that kind. Just make sure you're not the last. That's my rule. If Absolutely. You I break agree. that door open because it takes it takes a lot of work to break it open and you know to smash those ceilings and the walls. But the minute that those walls and doors are smashed, don't build it back up. Make sure it stays open for those behind you, and that's the only way that things will get better. Exactly. Race don't relation. be happy that you're the only token black person or the token uh, the only token Somali no, person. Hell. You'll be like, oh, I've made it and that is it. For the rest nah. of you, goodbye. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> the ad go is, I might be the only Somali they know. And then they're like, oh, Amina, you're Somali. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that person's Somali as well. I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, I've said, yeah. Like, oh, you've got you've got similar traits. I'm like, all good. I hope. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is literally like we are. You know, when you're just a representative, and it can get tiring sometimes. And it is get so, tiring because you. I don't want to be the spokesperson for the whole of the Somali nation. No, thank you. No, no, yes. You know what it is? I literally, I think like I've been, I've been flying low under the radar, like quite well, like for the past how many years? I think just doing the work that I do right now has put a catapult to me back into Somali society. But like in, before that, like one of the things that I do is like, you know, like helping Somali students with their medical applications with their, and then give them like a placement. And I did that because like, you know, my consultants, they're bringing in their neighbor's kid, their little, you know, nephews and nieces. And I just thought, okay, my nephew and my niece are like two years old, they're babies, yeah? And mm-hmm. then before that, none of us were married. So I didn't have nephews and nieces. But I said, I can open doors for other Somali kids. So this, the same scheme that they used to let them, it's called the family and friends scheme. I'm like, okay, Somali kids are going to use it. For, and this one, Worcester Mali, so they can come in. Every single Somali child that uses it is my cousin. They go, I'm in as my cousin. But I want to open the doors for them. I want to open the doors for them. I want them to see what an operating theater looks like. I want them to see how to conduct themselves in a proper manner. Because one of the things is professionalism. A lot of the Somali kids will get the grades. They will graduate. They will get the grades. And then there comes this thing about how to conduct themselves and how yes. to talk and like some of them is like you know they, they don't have that and I'm like what are you doing which is why you saw me on the careers fair key that's that's why you saw me sit on a cv and an interview skills workshop because it was a little bit like I, I'm, I'm on two sides I will interview Somali students for their university applications and I would also interview them when they've finished university 
and they still have the same mannerisms like oh you know what yeah this is what i'm gonna do like you and i are talking to each other now right now as friends and we're like being listened to by fellow professionals or but it's all okay but what i'm saying to you guys is because no we already got to... to where we need to in life like yes. right now i'm not trying to impress you you're not trying to impress me <laughs> like but maybe we should maybe we should dear <laughs> Hey there. Um, so could you please tell me then, what did you do after that day? Well, what I did was, we can jump between one way to another and stuff like that. The thing is, yeah, we, and... we, we know how to do that. But for somebody who came from school, like you said, or from college, I agree with your point. They necessarily don't know how to conduct themselves. Yes. And that's why I felt like at the careers fair, an interview skills workshop uh, or a CV workshop was where I literally could have the best impact because I've seen these, I've seen them. They come to me like there's so many kids that, you know, like when the interview is so bad, even so Malimo can't save them. Yes. As I, yeah. Like one of them, like, yo, yo, yeah, you know what is, yeah, what I did the other day, like brother, my, me and my brethren. I'm like, you and your who? I was like. Yeah, that kind of, I was like, oh my God, I felt like just, you know, you just feel like really get agitated, you just want to kick you them You get agitated, but then I don't blame some of these kids because they've never had that representation. Yes. I mean, they've never, um, I mean, okay, we've got everything. We've got YouTube, we've got Google, like, you know, how to get jobs. You can look at videos, you can, but then some of the kids, bless their cotton socks, they are just in a zone. And like you said, for them, it could be just about them and their brethren. So the fact that they actually even made the move to get that job it's actually uh, I, I command them but at the same time it's that thing where you just need them to put in the extra effort the where extra like, effort yeah because if it were just based on me okay I can just discard it then after the interview is over say I want you to speak properly. you can see the potential you, in them you can see yes. the potential, but, but nobody else is going to see the potential in them and they have to prove themselves yes. to everybody else yes and that's the thing is when the other when you've got other people on the panel and then and then how can I say well look and sometimes I'm like well once about a time guys I spoke like that and then it's a little bit like well and I'm like well I sometimes talk like this guy but I don't know it's just this thing that I just want like install in our kids and I just want like you know like just tell them just start I said just start practicing how to speak properly now because it will it will help you in in your when you're when you're when you're a grown-up because I mean something like so it's just one of those things that's like you kind of see uh, but when the main thing that I really just want to say is like once we've opened those doors is to make sure those doors stay open and like in the beginning sometimes you may have to stand there so it stays open and as you let others behind you come in and come in and come in but the thing and I feel like this is what why like I would I think I would describe my the first eight years of my career like that way just basically make sure that the door stayed open and it was like Kale 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 and then you know like subhanallah the good news is like right now like you know what's it called now that I've founded a charity and I'm looking for healthcare workers sometimes I actually found two people who said it's because of you that I'm doing this job so I've got another girl who trained in no DPA and another girl who went into medicine and they're like if you need anyone I'm like of course I will need people and I will call you up for your payback Valentine exactly exactly and, and it's important so, it, it's like inspiring you left the door open yeah so that brings us Amina to yes. um, the last point and stuff like that what advice would you give to the younger Amina or to the younger boy Amin who might be listening and stuff like that obviously we talked about how um, uh, um, what's it called about making sure I mean some, some of the I think some of the things I think one time you mentioned as well is about the company you keep and stuff like that so if yes. you can leave us with words of wisdom what would you tell your younger self or the younger boy who's listening right now to us to take to, away to any of the younger generation or to actually not to anyone who's listening young and old here's the thing guys 
believe in yourself, okay? And trust the process is one of the things. Like just trust the process, trust your own source, believe in yourself, believe in yourself, believe in yourself above all, okay? Know that you are capable, know that you can do it. You're smart enough. You've got the strength, you've got the smarts, you've got it all. You just, it's just taking you a little bit of time to figure it out. Okay, but believe in yourself above all. Okay, that's one of the things that I just want to and do not be influenced and don't let any of the naysayers or the negative energy people or any haters get into your mind. Okay, whatever dream that you have, that dream is there for a reason. Okay, the fact that you have got an idea and a dream or like an idea in your head, but you still don't know how you will turn it from an idea into your head to an uh, a real concept that in itself is amazing because it's a fact that we, we've already like on step one you have an idea now you need to find an action plan you just need to action plan it so believe in yourself don't listen to negative naysayers don't listen block out any negative energy and invest in yourself that's my thing invest in yourself what i mean by that is if you do like if do the do the if you if anyone presents you well not anyone but like say if you anyone any lovely person i'm not saying if a drug dealer presents you but like if a normal person presents you with an opportunity or a training course or a project someone uh, would you volunteer would you do this there is this thing happening there's a free thing you know for 16 year old to 18 year olds or 18 year old to 25 year olds there's all these opportunities around right when you op- everyone offers you an opportunity or a train a free training course or something and you don't feel like doing it do it anyway because you will learn something from it but in life there are no failures only experiences there's not such thing everything you're going to learn something everything you're going to learn something from it in life the whole of life is experience so i want you to invest in yourself do something for you that in two years time you're going to thank yourself for doing it in five years time you're going to you know the you're, you're going to thank yourself for doing it so it could be something as easy it can be something as like learning in a different language it could be something as learn how to drive it can be something as a volunteer it can be something as you know like um if you've got like a long summer do a and then you've, you've got a long summer you're, you're 17 years old you've got a long summer ahead of you there's a lot of unpaid internships do an internship invest in yourself yes it's going to be a bit of a boring way to spend your summer but the experiences and the insight that you are going to get from doing that internship wallahi guys it will be priceless so invest in yourself you are your biggest critic you are your biggest cheerleader you are the one you're the person who can create yourself and then you know like when drake says that i think he said is it started from the bottom and now he's here genuinely he that man invested in himself and i want you all to invest in yourself so that's my parting words for you guys and those were one fantastic uh, full of wisdom may I say yeah um, going to my professional voice that was full of wisdom Amina and I am yeah. very reach impressed. out to us as well I think one of the things I forgot to say because I, in, 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 on the back of keeping the door open for you guys reach out to us I'm more than happy to be reached out by not on my personal platforms I love you all but please don't do that okay so no so we, we cannot we cannot Facebook rec- you don't want to be Facebook friends with me no, no, you're all right, but you don't want to just get like a no, random... No, we're uh, Facebook friends already, but I'm joking, yeah. All right, yes, yeah. <laughs> here we are, but 
Like, you don't just get like a random. I'm like, no, this is strictly for Hoyo, the family, and the friends. And they can reach out to you on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, LinkedIn is amazing. Tell them yeah. about LinkedIn, LinkedIn yes. yeah. LinkedIn is amazing, guys. Like, Twitter is also lovely. I'll use Twitter semi professionally as well. Just, you know, on Twitter, I've already answered a lot of like, you know, CV related questions, any like interviews. Just, I'm more than happy to answer those. So please reach out if you're confused, if you don't know what to do, if you want to volunteer, if you, if you don't know what you're going to do with your course or your career please like we're here for that just reach out to us and if i can't help you i know a professional who might be able to so this is the good thing about having a good somali networking professionals networking and whatnot because we is like there's a network if i can't help you samira can if samira can't help you somebody else can she'll know someone the the, the bottom line is there is always someone to help and there's someone always there to be a, like you know a friendly ear to listen to help to assist but guys just reach out to us as well at the same time I agree just exactly 100% what Amina said and um, that leaves us with the closing um, thing just to say Amina thank you I really 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 enjoyed talking to you today it's been fantastic hearing your life story from um, from basically from the beginning to the end and, and and I don't think this is the end of you we're just I think you're just literally touching the surface and I look forward to seeing all the other amazing things that you are going to achieve and I just want to say from the deepest bottom of my heart that I'm really proud of you I'm rooting for you sister and <laughs> I'm absolutely rooting for you sister and I'm really really proud to have a friend somebody that I actually know to be like actually you know what Aaron has also got an MBE and stuff like that I mean at the end of the day a title is a title but I think it's important for people's hard work to be recognized and stuff like that um, and, and to celebrate it and I feel like this will inspire more Somali people to go out there do fantastic work and stuff like that and also you know gain their place where they're like actually recognized for all the fantastic work that they are doing 100 um, 100%, 100%. yes so thank so you to our listeners for today thank you for joining us thank you for your support and we look forward to um for you guys to join me again next week for a new episode thank you i'm your host samira ali dear listeners thank you for tuning in to another episode of the smiley professional podcast with your host samira ali join us again next week for another wonderful inspirational story dear listeners Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Somali Professional Podcast with your host, Samira Ali. Join us again next week for another wonderful, inspirational story.